there and welcome to Best Bad Movies, the podcast where we talk about our favourite bad movies and give them the love that we believe they deserve. I'm your host Sarah C and with me today as my guest is a very special person. He is my partner, the love of my life, funniest man I've ever met. So huge pressure on him to make this podcast good. Uh, please welcome the bald and the beautiful TJ Fogarty. Thanks. <laughs> It really is, yeah. You have to make this good because I actually have no idea what I'm doing. And I've already lost my hair, so I've nothing left. Best Bad Movies is a, a podcast where we take movies that we believe were very fun, very silly, very stupid, super entertaining, a really good time, but were critically not as well received. So we're looking at movies that were probably 50% and less uh, scored on Metacritic, which is just the critics. And we are giving them the love that they deserve. We're talking about why we think you should watch them, what makes them so fun. We're going to sprinkle in some facts here and there. And then at the end of each episode, we're going to re-rate them as to what we truly believe they should have gotten by the critics. <laughs> Today we are speaking about Lara Croft Tomb Raider, a staple from my childhood, uh, starring Angelina Jolie. It was released in 2001, which is 20 years ago, and that is very frightening. This movie uh, was directed by Simon West, and when I looked up Simon West and his filmography, it made me realise that I'm going to have to dive insanely deeply into his films, because when I tell you this, Teej, Simon West, his very first movie that he ever directed was Con Air. Oh, brilliant. I fucking love Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Nicolas Cage will be a recurring feature on this anyway. He actually is. And yeah. he is in a couple of more Simon West films. Yeah. So I looked through his filmography. It's it's kind of small. There's, I'd say, less than 15 movies there. The ones that I know are Con Air, The Mechanic, oh, starring yeah, yeah. Jason Statham. That was good, yeah. Who I also feel like is going to be in a lot of these movies. Yeah. And he made The Expendables 2, oh. starring every action movie star that is going to be in these podcasts. Yeah, that's 100%. true. Actually, yeah. um, so, we, so we can just do The Expendables and just not have to do any more episodes. Right? I sw- we could actually just do Simon West movies and just let the yeah. let the virus spread from there. <laughs> just follow the trees. Cyrus the virus. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the executive producer on Black Hawk Down, which I have never seen. But I, have you? I have, yeah. Have you? Was yeah. it any good? Um... Jeez, I was, I was so young when I saw it. Just, mm. you know, army movie. <laughs> it's great. You great, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they shot up a village or something. I don't know. Oh I my God. Play. I'm just making it up. Uh, so I definitely want to see more of his movies. I, can't, I always get Black Hawk Down actually mixed up with Full Metal Jacket. That's the two. So I definitely want to deep dive more into some of his movies. I actually have some interesting tea um, on him on this movie. And we will talk about that uh, probably a bit towards the end or maybe in the middle. Um so yeah, Lara Croft Tomb Raider starring Angelina Jolie. This was rated 33% on Metacritic, which I thought was unfair. And it has a, what is even more unfair to me is actually it has a 5.7 user score. Hmm. I really thought that would have been higher. Yeah, like I think as well the the timing of it kind of depends because when I saw it, like that was around puberty age. So I think that really lent to me appreciating it mm. probably a bit more. My friends appreciating it a bit more. Yeah. At the time. And also the, the whole relationship to a video game. Have you know? played this video game before? Because I haven't. I only ever played demos that my mother yeah. magicked up from somewhere. Yeah, no, I was, I was much the same. So it would have been demo discs. Um, but then like the recent Tomb Raider games as well. I played yeah. those. Those are good. But um, yeah, the original was just just the demo. Yeah. We never had a console. So we never played any of these kind of games. Um, but I do remember spending absolutely hours playing that one demo. Mm. Um and I really enjoyed it, but I'm very bad with hand-eye coordination on controllers and stuff, so I have no interest in playing well, any of the well, other you're, you're picking up some pace now in uh, Mario Kart. I am getting quite good at Mario Kart, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we never really played any of the games. Now, when this came out, it didn't feel like it at the time, because obviously I was, uh, what was I, 14 when this came out. It didn't feel it at the time, but when I look back on it now, like, how many 
big action movies like this, like straight up ass kicking movies like this came out that had women leading them mm. at the time. I can't really think of any around that time. Yeah. Um, this was like John Wick before John Wick. Angelina Jolie is in absolutely incredible shape for this movie. It's it's quite astounding how um, how much work she put into it as well. So Angelina Jolie was 26 uh, when this movie was made and when it came out and to prep for it she did three months of really intense training for the movie I actually think it shows because when I we watched it last night and when I look back on it now I feel like she really was in a lot of those scenes I didn't feel like it was super jump cutty like born identity you know I can't see any of her face she trained with a member of the SAS to do weapons training and learn about guns she learned kickboxing motorbike riding uh, trained to race the huskies that we see at the end of this movie. Animal abuse, um, yeah. Animal abuse, yeah. Stop it. Uh, she did gymnastics. She did uh, all the work on the bungee in the mid-scene in the movie, which oh, yeah. when I think about it now, it is fully her face in it. And she also took yoga as well at the same time because she said that she wanted Lara Croft to have like this centre of calm in her mm. uh, I really felt that I thought that she was the fucking coolest character that I'd ever seen because she was such a badass in this movie yeah. um, um, effortless effortlessly cool and she is effortlessly cool absolutely freaking stunning as well um, so of course that was going to be a big part of it because they wanted somebody who was going to really fit the look the look was mm. such a big thing and there was so much gatekeeping yeah. around this movie when it first came out so I'm going to read out a couple of facts just about the casting and then we'll hop into the plot. For anyone listening who hasn't seen this movie, we will be discussing the entire plot, including the ending. Spoilers abound. So if you haven't seen this movie, pause this podcast, go watch it, have a fun time and then come back and listen to the rest. When this movie was announced... There was such a big furore. Obviously, Lara Croft was like the sexiest character, video game character around. And it was a lot of um, people mm. that were absolutely adamant that you had to have a big knocker, babe. Yeah, big, big fucking square knockers on a video game. All these pixels. like. So the announcement of the film, there was a lot of discussion about who would be cast to play her. And numerous actresses we're going to be on the shortlist or were on the shortlist. And most notably, I know you won't know some of these people, hmm. but some people listening might know as well. So these were all the people that were in the running, rumoured and some factually in the running. Jennifer Love Hewitt, Famke Janssen, Jennifer Lopez, Rona Mitra, Elizabeth Hurley, Ashley Judd, Sandra Bullock. Hmm. She would have been good. Could you... Mm, I don't think Sandra Bullock would have the sex appeal that I would want. She's got like Miss Congeniality sex appeal, which is like, oh, you know, woman next door gets kind of cute, like, but she doesn't have that like raw sexual energy that Look, I want. I, I think... I don't think you're the demographic for this. No, I think the demographic not. for this is that you could put... You could draw tits on a carrot <laughs> and put it up on the screen and <laughs> the, the lads going through puberty be like, yeah, yeah that's, that's Lara Croft. That's yeah. the Lara I know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some of that. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. So it could have been it could have been a fella. Doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as it had big knockers. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um who else was in the run? It was Catherine Zeta Jones, which I could see. Diane Lane, Demi Moore, and Denise Richards. And Denise Richards was apparently the absolute favourite at the time because she's very beautiful and she had big bubbies. Um so of course everybody wanted her to do it. And when Angelina Jolie was cast, the director Simon West came out and said, like, listen, she was just the only person I had. I didn't want somebody who was, like, mega famous. Um, I I wanted her for the role. And it was very controversial amongst a lot of fans mm. because a lot of people thought that she wasn't physically appropriate enough for this role. Yeah. The, the big bubbied heroine, you know. And others complained about the fact that she was American and she was playing someone who was British. And the director, Simon West, dismissed these concerns and said in reference to Jolie's penchant for sexual knife play oh. it was always Angelina I mean Lara sleeps with knives and doesn't take shit from anybody and that's Angelina down to a T you sleep with knives <laughs> I do okay right I do sleep with knives right 
But I don't all, I need to explain this now. I don't yeah. always sleep with knives. When TJ is away back home in his home county of Limerick, I am terrified that someone's going to break into the house and kill me. So I take a couple of my sharpest knives up to bed and I have them hiding on the locker. So yeah, uh, what did you think about like the casting of Angelina Jolie? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's very, it's very action oriented and she clearly was fucking flying about the place. Like as we saw in the, the opening scene, it was just, it was like the video game, just lepping around and, and shooting guns. Like mm-hmm. that's all you, that's all you're there for really. Like. Yeah. And I think she looked the part, absolutely looked the part. Of course, she's, she didn't feel like she'd look any part, she feel any part. But I thought as well... I know, obviously, this was rebooted. Tomb Raider was rebooted in 2018. Rebooted. Rebooted in 2018 with Alicia Vikander um, in it. And even though I've seen it, I don't remember a lot of it. And I don't know if that's because it just didn't really resonate with me or because I like the first one so much or because I'm at an age now where maybe movies don't resonate with me or leave a mark on me in the same way that they would have when I was 14 years old. In your formative years. In my formative years. Um, but I I think that Angelina Jolie brought a real charisma. I feel like she had this natural badassery in her. Mm. You know, given a lot of like Dwayne The Rock Johnson eyebrow in this movie. Yeah. And I also thought that she had this power that was just in her. Like the way that she would stand in this movie was like straight back shoulders back chin high Mm. you know i feel like she really like embodied somebody who knew herself knew that she was powerful had a load of money so she could do whatever she wanted and was just a badass yeah you're dancing around it she had charisma uniqueness nerve and talent i think is what you're trying to oh my god she did oh my god Lara Croft Tomb Raider opens with Lara Croft hanging upside down. She's in an ancient temple. She's running here and there. And all of a sudden... Mostly there. Mostly there. She's fighting a giant fucking robot. (laughs) We realise pretty quickly that this robot is actually her robot. And plot twist, she's in her own house. (laughs) Yeah. I think what struck me about those... um, Like here you have Lara Croft, the great adventurer archaeologist you know has great respect for the ancient kind of world and artifacts and things like that absolutely making shit of the place and (laughs) (laughs) just shooting up ancient ruins and (laughs) knocking pillars over and things just that bit kind of has has been thrown by that yeah um but then again like i never played the game maybe that's all you do in the games as well yeah maybe just fucking shoot up museums or something i don't know probably but this is a movie where it's very clear that rich privilege has set in uh, very very deeply and this woman is just like I'll just destroy everything I want and well to be fair she does help clean up as well there is a scene later in the movie where the house is absolutely fucking destroyed and she is given a hand cleaning up but who she's helping is seemingly the only two staff in her house mm. which is a butler and her tech friend her tech butler her tech butler her tech butler yeah. so Hillary. And technical Hillary. Her two manservants, yeah. Her two ma- well, actually we'll get on to manservants later on because oh, there yeah. is there, there is, is a very <laughs> there is a manservant in this movie. <laughs> TJ is absolutely obsessed with them. So these aren't the real manservants of this movie. Yeah, you love Angelina Jolie and I love the, the manservants. Her house is so big that she can recreate an entire ancient temple and destroy it. And she only has two staff. Hmm. Girl, get yourself a fucking cleaner. Get yourself some staff. Give people some jobs. <laughs> Stop keeping all the money. <laughs> I have to say, I actually thought that Angelina Jolie did a very good job with her English accent mm. in this film. There's only a few people that I've seen that are especially American that have done very good jobs with British accents. The other one that immediately comes to mind for me, maybe not for everyone, but for me, was Gwyneth Paltrow. In the movie, Sliding Doors uh, was the first one. And then Shakespeare in Love was the other one. But I, I felt like that was a very natural slip in. Now, by the time Angelina Jolie got to Maleficent, she really had it nailed. Mm. You know, this really like upper class yes, yeah. um, English accent. And I could listen to her. 
I could listen to her say the word cluck. Uranus, which is meant to be Uranus. The, it's not my anus. No, it's not. The planet Uranus. <laughs> it's not that big. <laughs> the giant uh, gaping, no. Um, the way that she says it, she looks into her telescope and she says, Uranus. 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 And also, ours. Ours. Ours and ours. I could listen to her say those words forever. For hours. For hours and hours until the clock strikes and I see Uranus up in the sky. Yeah. Someone's accent in this movie is absolutely disgraceful. And we will also get to that later in the film when he is introduced. Oh, yeah. So uh, she has her big fight. Somehow, this robot, which is literally the size of one of the cabinets here in our kitchen, drags it with one hand across the floor to the room where her tech servant is sitting and just drops it. Now, I know this bitch is strong. Fix it. Fix it. Uh, she I ain't that broke strong. It. I broke it. Whoopsie. Fix it. Which and by broke it. And by broke it, I mean shot it. Yeah. Shot it all up. It but played, was still managed. Yeah. It played fucking music and all, sure. Drum and bass. Yeah, yeah. So once this uh, scene is over, we get what all of us were here for. A sexy shower scene in this movie. One of two. One of two, yes. And we will get to the second one as well. Yeah, that was, and that was fucking hot. <laughs> I also have another pause for a fact. We're literally two minutes into this movie. Yeah. And I'm already pausing for facts. There were a lot of cuts made um, in this movie. It was cut down a lot. And um, one of the things that was cut was Angelina Jolie's nude scenes. She had nude scenes that were cut out to make it a PG-13 rating. The shower scene originally had nude shots of Lara and the next scene where she throws her towel away, which you just see side boob, originally showed some rear nudity from her. However, according to Jolie, she used a body double for some of these. Oh, okay. So there you go. So we could have gotten it, but we didn't. Uh, I think it was for the best. I don't think it was necessary. It wasn't necessary, no. I think, I think, the, I think that lends too, too much to the whole idea that it's just a sexualized mm, character. Yeah. You know? It's more, it's more than that. I know. And for me, watching it, she was so sexy in it. I Like, even though she's in, you know, not masculine clothing, but she's not wearing, like, low-cut, you know, freaking thongs and real, you know, like, thongs real pockets. She's got pockets. A bitch has pockets. Yeah. Um, I really felt like she was, like, sexy enough as she was, mm. with, like, the expressions that she had, the way she speaks, the looks that she gives, even the clothes that she had. Yeah, I felt like if they were putting it in, they were only going to be putting it in for one reason. One disgusting, filthy reason. We yeah. don't know what that reason is. Yeah, we know the fucking sex robot and make a return All in that right. scene. <laughs> so, we cut then to the Illuminati, who are in this movie for whatever reason. Mm. I love it. Love a good Illuminati. So, the Illuminati have met, and it's a lot of old white men and one white woman. And introducing the man of the hour... Manfred Powell, a.k.a. Lord Friendzone, yeah. a.k.a. Um, Ian Glenn, who is, is it Sir Jorah in Game of Thrones, most people know him as? Jorah Mormont? Uh, I don't know, I just know him as Lord Friendzone. Yeah, everyone knows him as Lord Friendzone. Yeah. So he's doing his best Spike from Buffy with the hair of Loki from Avengers impression. Yeah, yeah it was very good. In this film, it was, was gross. Oh, okay, two different reactions. Yeah, I was very impressed. <laughs> so the Illuminati have brought in one of their members, Manfred Powell and Manservant Powell. <laughs> TJ's favourite character, Manfred's Manservant. Yeah, actually, um, I, have, I have an interesting fact that I looked it up as well. I did my own little research. Okay. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know that scene where he's like laying across on the couch? Yes. And Laura's in the jungle spying on him. Mm -hmm. He gets his manservant to kiss his chest. <laughs> <laughs> he does and they had to cut it from the movie they said it was far too explicit yeah that was that was going to get rid of the PG-13 right yeah. <laughs> it was going to take it up scene, to an R they were planted the nude scenes the nude scenes were fine they ended up cutting those for whatever mm -hmm. reason we'll never know but for this one like they said it was too explicit he was just <laughs> you know he'd like he'd hang grapes just above his chest and your man would try to get him and he'd <laughs> just kiss his chest the sounds. Yeah, that's why they caught it. It was too much. Oh my god. 
dedication to the, the cause of fair play. Just a reminder that this is the man that I've chosen to spend the rest of my life with. So, yeah. <laughs> love however it. short that may be. Oh, <laughs> oh. So Manfred Powell has been tasked with finding two halves of the triangle. This is it. This is the ancient mystical artifact that allows whoever possesses it to control time for some reason. Uh, the two halves of the triangle must be found before the planetary alignment and the last phase, which is the solar eclipse, happens. This only happens once every 5,000 years, which is a beautiful round number that we're very happy about. Plot twists absolutely abound. My question is like, this ancient civilization that had this magical triangle that could control time, mm. decided to split it in half and bury it at two ends of the world. Why did they not, if they were able to create it, which we saw in the movie by melting down uh, the metal from this the core of a meteor, why didn't they just remelt it into a million bits? Mm. And like you said, throw them into the fucking ocean. Yeah, they could have, you see, but the, the whole thing is that whatever is out there and gave them this meteor like mm-hmm. gave him this metal um clearly just doesn't want humanity to survive like whatever's out there wants us dead basically and i think this is just a prime example of that we're too thick to dispose of it it's like well maybe maybe we might need it at some stage yeah and lo and behold like just bring it on the end of the world over and over actually yeah very good point because i'm getting very bad about this but don't people have batches of smallpox yeah. And we got rid of smallpox. Like, why yeah. do we need smallpox? And they found, didn't they find a vial of it just kind of laying around somewhere in storage? Yeah, they, like a freezer. Was it had. in a university freezer yeah, or something like that? They didn't even like know that. they had it, yeah. Fact check, please. No, no, that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no need to fact check. Yeah, so Fine. maybe we are the idiots. Yeah, we are the idiots. Yeah, yeah. who am I to judge? Yeah, exactly. So, the first phase of the planetary alignment occurs. Mer- Mercury yes. retrograde. Yearness comes into alignment. <laughs> Lara has a dream uh, in which she is speaking to her father about this planetary occurrence. And she wakes up to hear a Sorry, clock. Her father, who is also her real father. Her real father in real life, who after this movie, she did not speak to for five years. Yeah. So she has a dream and wakes up to hear a clock ticking in her house. Now, I something happens with me and these movies right and this will show you where my mind is at and how judgmental I can be when she has this dream I was just part of me is like this is so stupid like coming to you in a dream and telling you things through your dream like that is so incredulous like that's too far that is too far people talking to you through dreams and then later on, like, we've clearly established that they're looking for a magic triangle. Mm. But for me, telepathically talking through dreams is too much. And I, like, this effect does occur in a few things. One of them, which actually happened globally, was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. When that movie came out, everyone was like, aliens. Yeah. Really? Fucking aliens. You're taking this too far. When all the other movies were literally about, like, um... A cup that you could fill with water and it'll make you live forever. Mm. But aliens are too far. Oh, you're taking taking on Christianity now, yeah. I'm taking on Christianity because the irony is that aliens are probably more real than the idea of finding a chalice that will give you eternal life. You're making big statements here. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us us how you really feel, yeah? Yeah, oh, you don't know how I really feel. Put all this stuff aside now, let's get into it. (laughs) But the fact that people got so bad about aliens, but it's okay to have like a magic cup that makes you live forever. Anyway, so she takes this clock down to her technical manservant and absolutely bursts the thing open. Now, this is a theme running through this movie, running rampant through this movie, which is that this bitch will fucking destroy anything. Yeah. Her entire house, uh, little hidden closets. She won't like look for a latch. Or look for a door. She actually just take a hammer and just put it straight through it. Mm. Excellent um, qualities in, a, in an archaeologist. A hundred percent, yeah. Total respect yeah. for... Uh, now, to be fair, sometimes the walls will sprout a monster made of stone and rocks that you will then have to kill. So yeah. sometimes it is okay to absolutely shoot the place up and mm. completely destroy it and then submerge it underwater. So, you know, yeah. sometimes it's called for. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. fucking ruin a civilization, yeah. <laughs> so she busts open the clock 
and she finds uh, a big circle thing that she immediately recognises as a key. I have no idea why, just because there's some jiggity-jaggity bits in the back. And she says it contains the all-seeing eye. Lara takes this and heads to an auction that's going on in London to talk to an old man friend. A horologist. Is he a horologist? I don't know if he's a horologist or is he just like an expert in antiquities. Oh, okay. I'd imagine he'd be an expert in antiquities. Yeah. Because I think Manfred Powell kind of says that he's more of a horologist. Oh, yeah. 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 And he's, <laughs> and he's manservant. It makes up the whore part. <laughs> <laughs> he's the ologist and he's manservant's the whore. So in this auction house, Lara Croft meets Alex West, played by Daniel Craig with an atrocious accent. Alex West, Daniel Craig, came on screen and TJ said, Jesus Christ, he looks emaciated. (laughs) Now, given that this was 20 years ago and he obviously hadn't gotten the human growth hormones that everyone in Hollywood injects when they get like a big movie role. He wasn't James Bond. He wasn't James Bond. He was not James Bond yet, no. But he did have those uh, beautiful blue peepers still going. Mm. The accent was actually disgrace Harry partner oh he was four lines into talking to her and he said something and he just he shouted a word in a super British accent stop Laura <laughs> stop Laura <laughs> he just said it in such an English accent hello Alex I suppose you think I'm a greedy unscrupulous sellout and do just about anything for money yes that's right well the money bit's true I guess a lot of people ask like which accents are the hardest to do and I do find that people who are not American quite often struggle with a generic American accent it's actually not that easy to do judging by how many people are absolutely fucking disgraceful at it it sounds easy you think it sounds easy but TJ I think you forget you are terrible at accents I'm I'm brilliant at accents he's alright but he's not great howdy Laura (laughs) What you got there? If you want to actually hear a surprisingly incredible American accent from someone who is not American, Barry Keown, the Irish actor. Also linked to Angelina Jolie. Also linked to Angelina Jolie. Yeah, they both starred in The Eternals together. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a scene where he is talking to, I think it's Nicole Kidman in The Killing of a Sacred... (laughs) No. No. He's sat at a table in the movie The Killing of a Sacred Deer and he's talking to Nicole Kidman. I actually downloaded this TikTok to show you because Mm. I was so astounded at how good and natural his accent was. It really was incredible. Barry Keown now, if he keeps going, he's going to be an absolute fucking... Force to be reckoned with. Oh, an absolute acting force. Was it like a bit of a... A bit of a Boston accent or something yeah, going on. It could have been. Yeah. I'm not yeah. too sure. But it really was. I remember listening to it and just being like, wow, this is a really great um, version yeah. of uh, an American accent, especially from somebody Irish as well. Later, of course, I found out that everyone eats spaghetti the exact same way. Exact same way. Exact same way. This made me very upset. Very upset. Maybe even um, more upset than when they told me he was dead. So, yeah, Daniel Craig, D minus, must try harder, you know, change subject. Yeah, he makes up for it though. Yeah, he's like, hey, Lara, what are you doing? Oh, God, it makes me sick. What are you doing, Lara? Howdy. Um, G. Wilkers, Lara, what you got there? He's not from the fucking Old West. Like, this isn't, (laughs) what is it, Cowboys and Aliens? That was when he was doing that accent. Yeah. 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 Can you do your best impression of Daniel Craig doing a regular American accent saying, hey, Lara, when was the last time we saw each other? Hey Laura, when was the last time we saw each other? Howdy, partner! <laughs> Which way's the man servant? I can fucking smell him. And there you go, everyone. That is TJ saying he's good at accents. I'm phenomenal. Yeah. So Laura, Laura, excuse me, Laura actually also found out that Lara Croft's real name was meant to be Laura, but they realised that American people couldn't say Laura because they'd be like Laura. So they ended up changing it to Lara. Lara. There you go. Little fact for you now. I was about to say Lara, would you come in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work with Lara. Lara. 
So this old man friend that she goes to see double crosses her and sends her to Manfred Powell saying, oh, I know this guy. And like, you should send it to him. And then he looks at a picture of her dad and is like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What I want to know is why didn't we see this fucker die? Anytime someone double crosses someone now in a movie, it is a trope to like fully see them die either at the hands of them or at the hands of himself for absolutely sending this woman pretty much to her her death Mm -hmm. by sending them to the fucking Illuminati. But that was just it then. It was just gone. But you know what? I don't care. These these are plot holes that I don't care about. I love the movie. They kind of hinted at it that he would be killed. Did they? You know, when the microwave goes off, it's on like a, a gunshot. Oh. Now, obviously, he didn't get killed. We didn't see it happen. Correct. Lara was on the phone to him. Yeah. I actually thought it was a gunshot at first, and mm. then it, it was just whatever she had put in the microwave had exploded. So yeah. maybe it's an alluding to. Okay. Well, he's probably. Look at you. He's probably dead now, though, isn't he? Oh, shut up. DJ Jesus Christ. <laughs> so then we get to the meeting of minds. Lara Croft meets Manfred Powell, who she first mistakens as manservant Powell, uh, with his beautiful uh, goldeny strawberry blonde tresses. Um, and then Manfred Powell clearly tries to mind fuck her. Um, not by tricking her, he actually thinks that they can have sex in their mind, yeah. laying back, basically putting his crotch up in her face. His neck is covered in hickeys, his manservant's mouth is all wet. Like, is <laughs> is yeah. It wasn't oh, pretty. It wasn't pretty. His terrible haircut is throbbing. <laughs> yeah. his, his hair was engorged. <laughs> and this is what you're going to get with this podcast, ladies and gents. Thanks. So they have a meeting, and he's like, Oh no, I don't know what this is. I've, I've just never seen it before. Bye. Lara knows what's up. She's a smart guy. She's using that sexy brain to put two and two together. And then we come to what, for me, is the best scene in the movie which is the bungee fight scene. Oh, yeah. Lara decides she's just going to have like a light, just a little, do a little light bungeeing in the middle of her foyer at night. So she's strapped by the waist to like a bungee harness. I actually wrote down in my book, in my notes as I was watching this, scene with the aerial bungee in the foyer was class. This graceful ballet turned into a badass fight sequence. Mm. And when I was watching the behind the scenes it's actually called bungee ballet. Oh, very good. So I was spot on. Yeah. And well a little touch that I really liked was the director said to the costume person, like the pajamas that you put her in, I want them to be super flowy. I want them to just like ripple in the wind. Her, I want to see her belly. Oh, God. <laughs> that was one part that like just looked a bit off to me. Was like, why are you showing us But the, it wasn't cropped. It was just like as if the last button wasn't done. Yeah, the last like four buttons weren't done. No, it was... Oh, okay. But I thought they were just like this beautiful silk, super loose pyjamas just flowing as she's doing this really graceful jump. But she did all that harness work completely herself. She was in that harness. She was just bippity-bop-bop-bop doing all them moves. Um, and then the goon squad comes along filled with guns and scopes and lights and there's this really badass fight where Lara is on the bungee, um, tying herself up, fighting on the bungee, kicking, punching, shooting. And then she gets into her garage. Technical manservant is in her ear telling her where to shoot screwdrivers out of a fucking... Um, it's like an air gun or something. Like an air gun, yeah. yeah. I thought this whole fight scene was great. I thought the tension was good. Um, I really enjoyed all the fighting. And I, like, do you know if you think as well, if that was done in the modern day, and you know the way everything has to have like a, a goofy moment or something, oh, yeah. it'd be like uh, the screwdriver would be like, screw you. And then she'd shoot him with the screwdriver and the whole scene would be fucking ruined. Yeah. Whereas they just, it's implied. Yeah, the know, Ryan Reynolds nice. effect of this almost like goofy improv side that people have to have now is just really fucking great. It's, yeah, it's certain, certain needed. Like we can, yeah. we can read between the lines ourselves, you know. We can, yeah. And now that I think of it, I don't think she had a... Like a tag, not a tagline, but like she didn't say anything cheesy before she was about to shoot someone, which. No, but you know, in her mind, she was thinking she's going, Yearness. <laughs> Writing your Yearness. Yeah, Bang! Yearness, you know, <laughs> sex robot, Yearness. That's all that was going around her head. Yeah. This fight scene, I thought, was just great. I thought it was shot really well. I thought it was choreographed really well. Really, really enjoyed this fight scene. It was like a standout scene hmm. for me, one of the standout scenes in the movie. So the bad guys get the key, the clock key, 
And the next scene, we see the the three staff in the fucking multi-billion mega mansion just Mm. trying to clean up. And a package shows up with a letter from dear deceased daddy for Lara. It is full of clues. If you're reading this, I'm already dead. It's like, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Like, you know, I was just getting over it, but uh, we're back, back yeah. to square one. Yeah. Um. So the letter arrives from Daddy, and it points her to Cambodia. So she gets in a truck, which is flown by a helicopter. Like it sounds like he had it all fucking figured out. It you really know? did. And, <laughs> and oh he was my like, God. Ah, no, no, I kind of did my part now. Yeah, and it's later revealed in the movie that he is a member of the Illuminati and never told her. And she was like, why didn't you tell me? We share everything. He was like, I only told you what you needed to know. And I'm like, it actually sounds like you fucking told her everything. You're coming to her in her dreams. Is he even dead? There's the question. Mm. Is he dead? Mm. Who knows? Uh, Maybe the second movie will reveal that, but I think I'll need a, a drink for the second one. Yeah. So she heads to Cambodia, where Lord Friendzone, in the campus scene in the movie... While all these poor POC workers are trying to rip down the door of this ancient temple. With all their big muscles on show and yeah. just sitting there. Splayed out. Covered in hickeys. On a fucking chaise lounge. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. On a yeah. big fucking sofa. Man serving kissing his chest and neck. Drinking his sexy wine from his goblet. <laughs> <laughs> With all the work, it's just been like, hmm, yes. And won't even fully turn around when the door rips down. Just More does that muscles. half turn to be like, hmm, I can smell that the door is down. More men. Only men at the door. Yeah. More men. Muscles. And this is where we get our first glimpse of TJ's biggest gripe of the entire movie, which is shit flares. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. What yeah. are they called? Are they yeah, called flares? flares like, yeah, yeah. Or like glow sticks. Yeah, <laughs> you know? But like they're holding them up and the whole place is so well lit and they're just holding mm-hmm. them up in front of their face for no particular reason. And even in fact, when they it's get... probably more detrimental to their sight than um, than if they didn't have them at all. Very really. distracting. Yeah, yeah. Because then you just have one incapacitated hand. And also, even when they did get to a dark section, they didn't light up anything. They were mm. fucking orange. Yeah. Absolutely orange. Thick as a fucking cucumber. <laughs> I think this was uh, the manservant's idea. Yeah, maybe. So that was, TJ said this at multiple stages throughout this movie that those flares were really fucking getting on his nerves. Well, not so much getting on my nerves, but like just, they were puzzling, mm. I suppose, you know. I think, yeah, uh, yeah they look cool in the idea of mm-hmm. being explorers and, yeah. and trying to see with glow sticks and stuff. And Yeah, I don't know, it just didn't, I don't think it really panned out too well. Mm. Lara arrives at the temple. And she finds a way in around the back. And we get our first of two magical children mm. in this movie, which I always find really strange. Again, one point where I'm like, don't fucking go there. Ancient stone fighting goblin demons, whatever. Yeah. But don't give me a child that can tell you it's not worth going in there to talk to him one more time. It's it, like, makes you, it makes you think as well what that child went through to get that knowledge and know to say that to this particular woman. Like that child must have been fucking haunted like in nightmares every night <laughs> when you see this woman tell her this or I'll fucking kill your family <laughs> either that or she's working for the KGB and they're spying on Lara and they're trying to like throw her off oh yeah maybe KGB has a finger and everything so we have another big action sequence which I thought was great um, Lara's in the temple she puts the key into a lock and it unlocks this big swinging obelisk that she gets on and starts riding back and forth in order to pierce the hole to get the liquid to come out. (laughs) This scene was really cool. And when I was watching the behind the scenes, they were saying that when she releases the obelisk and it starts swinging, it swings back and forth, but also down. Mm. So it's swinging in this kind of U shape. And the stunt doubles that they had, once they got onto the obelisk, found it really difficult to stand up. And then they had to be trained in how to deal with the motion sickness that came from it but when Angelina Jolie hopped up onto it to do her scenes she immediately stood up which the others were finding difficult and she didn't have any motion sickness at all showing us that Angelina Jolie truly is an angel amongst us all and is able to do anything fair play to her fair play uh, we also get magic rock men oh, that yes. everyone you know was just made of rocks and fucking comes out of the walls yeah. uh, which is great and we get a topic of discussion that we were talking about last night a metallic liquid 
comes out of the floor at one point. It was giving me very 2000s vibes. Mm. Super shiny. You know those kind of like Busta Rhymes, Missy Elliott, O-Town, She's the Star of My Liquid Dreams. Go look at that video. How were we all singing that when we were 13? I don't know. It was disgusting. We should be ashamed of ourselves. We should be ashamed. They should be ashamed of themselves. How do they get away with that? So this is going to be a bit of a long fact, but it'll tie a lot of stuff in together. So Simon West, the director, he did a director's cut of the film and it was about 130 minutes long. Something happened and Simon West, the director, was removed from working on the film in post-production due to some kind of problems between him and Paramount, who are the company that released the movie. And an editor called Stuart Baird, who had come in before and re-edited other movies like uh, Mission Impossible 2, John Woo, the, the John Woo Mission Impossible and kind of came in and like fixed these things that the studio felt like were going to be a disaster. He re-edited the entire film mm. and cut it down to 88 minutes. Uh, due to all the work that had to be done in post-production, taking longer than anyone thought it would and how rushed it was, some of the major effects were apparently left unfinished by the time the movie was released in theatres. Which might explain why the liquid looks so shit and why the rock men were a bit weird. Hmm. Okay. A little bit weird. Yeah, there was actually, there was like um, the giant rock person. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like scenes where that was like in like fucking five frames per second or something like that. Where it was very, yes. yeah, very laggy looking. or Very yeah. laggy, very jumpy, super weird. Yeah. And that was also when they came in and ended up cutting the nude scenes as well. So there you go. You can that have is. him to thank for that. Um... Oh, so, sorry, we skipped over Daniel Craig's... Uh, no, we haven't. Oh, okay, sorry. No, we haven't. Okay. I'm getting there. Okay. I have it in all caps. <laughs> oh, I'm getting there as well. On my notes, <laughs> ready to talk well. <laughs> about nudie Daniel Craig. <laughs> if you use your imagination, it's like he's naked. <laughs> Move the table, please. Anyway, so uh, Lara escapes with the half of the triangle that they got, the first half, which mm. she recovered. The, tri- the small triangle for the big triangle. The small triangle for the big triangle, yeah. <laughs> the laughing cow, small triangle. And the old triangle goes jingle jangle. Um, so she got her first half and she runs out to this waterfall and Daniel Craig runs after her and is about to shoot her. And she's like, you're not going to shoot me. And then jumps off the waterfall to the jaggediest jiggity jag that I've ever seen at the end of a waterfall and it's just like naturally totally okay you know yourself she goes back to Cambodia wherever the main part of Cambodia was drinks a magic tea with someone who was like meant to be the Dalai Lama and all of a sudden all her cuts are healed yeah this is the magic that I find too much ancient magic you know temples and stuff and things coming to life that's one thing because I'm like, we don't know what the ancients did. Maybe there were aliens coming down. I bet that cult magic. could fucking turn back time as well. Just... <laughs> yes! Yeah. Why is... Now, and also, if they have magic tea to heal everyone, why aren't they fucking giving it out to everybody else? Why yeah. are these monks so selfish? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I shouldn't bad. say that. They're probably nice. <laughs> that's bad, yeah. No, they <laughs> are. They're terrible. No, no, it's on record. They're absolute fucking monsters. Yeah. They, could, they could solve a lot of the world's problems <laughs> and, you know, really yeah. just end a lot of suffering, but they choose to let it continue. Yeah. So Lara gets back to London and she has a sexy standoff with Manfred uh, where they go to the empty Illuminati room and they sit on some thrones and she makes it clear. I really think that these thrones are meant to be penises. That's why she sits. You're obsessed. I was about to say she sits on the biggest one, but that's the worst thing. She sits in the biggest throne, which I assume is meant to mean that she's got the biggest dick there. Like she's got that big dick energy Mm. and he sits on the right hand side, but he reveals and we know I love a reveal from Drag Race. He reveals... His penis. That, no, that her dad was in oh, the yeah. Illuminati. Which she is shocked by. Absolutely shocked. Why didn't he tell me? Ugh. And also, I also think they both throw knives as well at uh, uh, All Seeing Eye. Yeah. Which I also wonder, is that meant to be penises as well? Because they both go into the same cut. And then... Ladies and gentlemen... The greatest scene in the movie. Ladies and gentlemen. Daniel Craig's shower scene. They set it up great. They set it up just showing the shower. Yeah. And the water coming out of the shower head. And everyone's like rubbing their laps going, oh, here we go again, lads. This is going to be lovely. And it's Daniel Craig. <laughs> and they're like, wash that stink off you, boy. You're a clean boy now. Yeah. Come on out. So I'm all for equal opportunity shower scenes. Yeah. Now, his wasn't as in-depth as hers because in her shower scene, she does a full 
hair flip. Now, any woman listening to this podcast or anyone with long hair listening to this podcast, have you ever had your hair upside down and then fully done a massive flick and drowned it? You're fucking sealing in the process. No, never. His scene is not as long as hers, but I did appreciate that there just was a shower scene. It's not about the length. No, it really isn't. It's what you do. It's what you do. It was a thick scene. It's what you do with the time. And he comes out, and it's not just like he walks out and wraps a towel around himself. He's fully standing out there with only a table block and, you know, the old Alex and West. He was an actual full size (laughs) table. table leg. (laughs) Full size table to block it out. Yeah. You know, you could have had a teacup on a fucking, (laughs) on a small little coffee table blocked out, but no, they went full table. Yeah, someone eating a little cocktail sausage. Uh, Mm, I'll cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) So I do appreciate that they gave us both shower scenes. There's something for everybody. And if there's something not for you in there, sorry. So, yeah, (laughs) just enjoy what's there. Listen, we're all a little gay. Lara decides to team up with the baddies to get to their next location, which is Siberia. She has to get there because they have the key, which they need to get the second half of the triangle. And she has the first half of the triangle and she knows that she needs to get it before they do. This for me is where the movie lagged. Was when they got to Siberia. This, Mm. I found... All the rest of it was great. I don't know if it was just the changing colour, that it was all grey and white and snow. I thought the helicopter was going to fucking murder them all as well, just seeing in the background. No. The way it was coming in. It was just very, like, it looked like it was going down and it was going to take them out. But no, it didn't. Black Hawk down! <laughs> <laughs> so they get to Siberia and we encounter another magic child who warns her off trying to go after this to, to get to her father. Another by a spirit. <laughs> haunted by ghosts? Like, yeah, yeah. So there's, they get to uh, a cave where they have to take these like snow dogs, which Angelina Jolie did actually train with snow dogs. And they do all the snow dog um, running into the cave. More shit and uh, more unnecessary flares, like absolutely useless. Mm. This place was lit better than my fucking house on a sunny day now. It was so bright in there and they're all like, hmm, you might as well be holding up the camera, the light on your camera. So in this cave, there's a giant globe with a load of octopus tentacles swinging in every fucking direction oh, around it here we go back and forth and round and round and time is also really weird there and it's broken so lara and alex both jump on the tentacles of the globe and uh unlike every other goon there they don't die because they actually look where they're going yeah. and don't get crushed in between two of the tentacles completely brilliant. unnecessary yeah. um and lara gets the key into the globe and goes in and is Which able to was the the location for the key was down at the bottom. So they're all climbing up around it and up to the top. And yeah. Was it? it was at the bottom. Right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was kind of underneath on the, the bomb of the globe, yeah, if you the will. The undercarriage of the globe. <laughs> the yearness of the, the globe, yeah, if you will. <laughs> it was around the clock of the globe. So she puts the key into place and um, she retrieves the second half of the triangle. By this case, I was just like, listen end this film (laughs) (laughs) I'm very tired (laughs) and I would like it to end please Laura I'm dead yeah me telling you that you should watch this film while also telling you that I want it to end (laughs) I think at this stage I should have gotten a drink I think if I'd have gotten a drink um, it would have been good and this is the point of the movie where I had to tell TJ to sit up because I thought he was going to fall asleep yeah it was 20 minutes from the end it it? was 20 minutes yeah. yeah so they get the other half and the head of the Illuminati comes in to do this fucking mini ceremony while time is literally counting down because they have to do this you know at the exact moment that the solar eclipse happens so actually when I looked in the credits the head of the Illuminati doesn't have a name his name is Distinguished Gentleman he puts them he's about to put them together and (laughs) out of nowhere Manfred says enough of this twaddle and he gets them all shot he kills all of the Illuminati yeah banana clip like absolutely executed them like they were dead after like sorry did you say banana clip yeah I like hate... a gun is that what banana... they're called <laughs> it's not they're like that they're bananas. oh banana clips are a hair thing are they yeah well she wouldn't know anything about that I wouldn't know anything about that I used to have longer hair than you so you can when you can reminisce about those times you never had longer hair oh you had longer hair than me now yeah yeah 
Well, you don't anymore, so... Oh, no. <laughs> you, well, you have no hair, sweetie. Well, you have no hair, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this twaddle, and then gets his goons to shoot all of the Illuminati dead, takes the two pieces for himself, puts them together, but unfortunately, no joy. Circle goes in the square. Circle goes in the square, yeah, indeed. Nothing happens, and he realises that Lara knows exactly why, so he marks Daniel Craig... Throws a fucking knife in his shoulder and Daniel just straight into the water. There's a knife in my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Daniel Craig dies and Angelina Jolie realises that if she can get the last piece, that she can put the triangle together and end the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole goal of it. Yeah, story. and she can turn back time and Daniel Craig doesn't have to die in his terrible accent can go on forever. So she throws the uh, key into this weird time blip in the middle of the room. It all busts apart and there's a tiny, tiny piece of meteoric rock in there and she has that in. Boom. The triangle is complete and, oh, actually, that's when she runs up the pyramid. Oh, yeah, I'm not smart. Um, So they both run up the pyramid and she grabs it. Then she meets her dad. She's able to turn back time and uh, to the point where Manfred threw the knife, whips it back round at him, Boom, lands in his shoulder. Mm. Bitch, if you can turn a knife around, aim it at his fucking heart. I'd go aim for it his at eyes. his neck. I'd go for his eyes. A Brooklyn Nine-Nine special, a PB&J, oh, a yeah. penis yeah. brain jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unnecessary after the brain shot. Like, just, mangle, just mangle his face. And also an <laughs> unnecessary gases. penis shot as well. Uh, I wouldn't say it's unnecessary now. Oh, because the, the penis shot makes you wish you were dead. And then mm-hmm. the second shot fulfills that. It does, The yeah. third shot is just closed casket. Yeah. Yeah. So Alex West and his accent live on. But in true villain fashion, Manfred is still alive for one more fight. No weapons. So they fight for a bit. And then she kicks his windpipe into his spine. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole place goes underwater like every other temple and ancient place that she's been to. It's absolutely destroyed after this white person being there. And she gets out alive. She uses the sled dogs to get out. And the next scene, we see her in a beautiful dress. Hillary drops the tray. It's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. A lady. A lady. And then, boom, fights a robot. Where's your head at by Basement Jacks comes roaring in. Credit end scene. super enjoyable i had a great time watching this yeah i thought it was really fun um did enjoy this movie a lot yeah, yeah. would watch again yeah. as i always do yeah i wouldn't would you not <laughs> no. you will uh, at some stage but you like, will I when i'm watching i don't rewatch i don't tend to rewatch a lot of films like so this is a great movie the last little fact that i have which i will just uh, sprinkle sprinkle in at the end tj if you were casting this movie now mm. who would you cast to play lara croft um, fuck, I don't know. Sure I, I don't know, know, I have no idea either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know all her names. Do you think we'll see another uh, reboot? Um, I'm sure at some stage because it's a good, it's a cool franchise. Like, it's mm. interesting. It is. Because it fits in that kind of adventure, like Indiana Jones style mm-hmm. type thing, you know, and you're yeah. always going to want to see stuff like that. You know, and, like Uncharted, that kind yeah. of thing, you know. National Treasure. National Treasure, yeah. National Treasure, Two Book of Secrets. <laughs> uh, an interesting thing, I looked up um, some reviews of this and obviously it was received well by the public. It got, it generated $245 million. Yeah, it got me through puberty, five stars. It got you <laughs> The critics were not as kind to this movie and IGN in particular absolutely slated this movie. Yeah give it a really a really rough go um and i want to know how do you feel about a couple of these critiques okay so this both of these are from the ign review Mm. this film doesn't look cool rarely has a film with so many exotic locations and extravagant sets looked so jarringly ugly and thoroughly unpleasant lara's mansion which is presumably lit to represent warmth safety and security looks ugly yellow and jaundiced the radiant greens of the jungle settings appear washed out and muted. The tropical forestry looks malnourished and unhealthy, like people probably shouldn't be exposing themselves to such surroundings. 
The massive sets look cheap and lacks solidity, like environments you'd see at a studio stunt show or tram tour. Like, I don't know what fucking movie this man thought he was going to go see. Like, this isn't, uh, you know, The Revenant. What's, what's IGN stand for? Ignorant Goon Network? Maybe that was it. Maybe it was the goons in the film. In <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen. Bastards. Same fellas are probably pulled the wire off themselves to the game and loved the game and then just turn around the movies like it's not not as good as the game yeah I wanted this to be different in my head yeah it doesn't look like my pillow at all the lower crap pillow I got it doesn't look like her Jesus Christ like I know going into these movies what to expect and I think that's why they make it so enjoyable I'm not Mm. I don't critique these from like oh this is a plot whatever about plot holes who cares Mm. you know yeah they might get you into the thing who cares if you're enjoying the movie you're enjoying it this is another thing that he said, which really just... It's not real as well, just to, to clarify that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it not, is not real, it yeah, no impact, surprisingly. It has no impact on your life, only how much you let it impact yeah. your life. Wall rock demons aren't actually going to come out and, yeah. you know, try and swing a sword Haunted at you. children aren't going to visit you. Well, they're probably... <laughs> he's probably a haunted child. Uh, this is another thing he's, that he he's said. He's probably a nice guy. I don't know. This is another thing that he said. Uh, Tomb Raider ignores the most basic tenets of storytelling and filmmaking. Why do people use flashlights in caves when the caves they're in are lit by close to daylight lighting? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I retract my statement. I don't want to agree with this. <laughs> uh, this bastard. Why did an ancient civilization create gigantic stone warriors designed to spring to life and kick the ass of anyone messing with their temple if these stone warriors can be taken down by karate chops or a bullet, just like a human? Well, bullets weren't available back then because they didn't guns didn't exist. So they probably thought like fucking big stone men will do the job. I tell you something, if I saw a fucking a load of rocks come together and start walking <laughs> towards me, I probably would fucking keel over with a heart attack. Yeah, I'd put my head under its foot and just be like, D- just do it already. I'm sure they're actually quite proud of the fact that they were able to use fucking magic. They, sh- they should be applauded for it. Yeah. Uh, he also said why did the same civilization break a stone key needed to control time into two pieces and hide them on opposite ends of the earth to prevent anyone from ever using or abusing said key instead of pulverizing the key entirely so it could never be reassembled and utilized now I know I said this at the start this is in a lot of movies where they're like we took the five parts and we buried them all over the the globe it's the MacGuffin or something is that what it's called it's just a, a a Something to drive the plot along. Yeah. Like, of course that could have happened, but then we'd never have any didn't. fucking movie. It didn't happen, and you have to accept it. it this is the reality wouldn't. of that situation. Yeah, right? just like in Keenan and Kel, in episodes of Keenan and Kel, like, yeah, take care of that lottery ticket. You're probably going to fucking lose it. But you don't, because otherwise there'd be no show. So you need yeah. to fucking chill out and smoke a fucking joint. Jesus Christ. So, yes. I do not. This is a prime example of me absolutely not agreeing with critics. I think you just need to like leave your brain at the door. That's why these movies are so much fun. You have a couple of drinks. You watch them on a Friday night. When you're in the mood, then you go and watch Gosford Park or you go and watch The Artist or like a really fancy schmancy movie. But this is just entertainment. Yeah, I'm so tired. I just want to be entertained. And it's a Give bit us of fan service as well. Like if you're someone that really <clears throat> enjoyed the games, maybe you'd enjoy this because yeah. while you're watching it, you're like, oh, this reminds you of that moment in the game where you know she got her baps out on for a shower or locked the what is the butler that I'd uh, lock in the freezer that's gas isn't yeah. it and he'd be laughing away there the fucking horrible things you've done to people in games absolutely yeah. the thing that really made me want to start this podcast was realizing that like critics are there but critics are actually wrong i used to constantly read empire magazines reviews and it would make me either want or not want to watch certain movies and I'd be like oh I'm not going to watch that so because they said it's not good and then one day I was looking up movies and I saw the movie Taken by Liam Neeson had one star from Empire Magazine they think they're they're there to separate out the art from oh my god from the the shit Taken Taken was so like Taken spawned an an entire genre of movies Mm. which is cool old guys you know, dusting off the old boots and kicking ass. The amount of actors over the age of 40 who have gotten sometimes, you know, like trilogies, like series of movies mm. because they made this one with Liam Neeson that was just so good and so cheesy and so stupid and so fun. And after that, I was just like, okay, critics are wrong. Mm. Like, form your own opinions. You really enjoy this. You want to go off and enjoy it. Enjoy it and have the best time with it. 
don't let anyone tell you that something is good or bad. It's just whether you enjoy it or not. Finally, if you were a critic and you were rating this out of 100, mm-hmm. what would you be giving it? What are we re-rating so what was Lara the, Croft Tomb Raider? What was the original? Was it like 33 or something? Was the it? original got 33% yeah. on Metacritic. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd give it like 65, I think is a, mm. a fair score. You know, it was enjoyable. It was yeah. good crack. Like. Yeah. I would give it a 75. Mm. I think it's got a lot going for it. And I would recommend this to people to watch if they were just like, oh, does anyone know of any like, you know, stupid fun action movies? Obviously there's ones that I put in front of it, but I wouldn't discourage anyone from watching this. Um, and I also think it not only has a lot going for it, but I think it was like, it was a little marker in the genre of action movies. Like something happened in this movie mm. was that you just got like a super strong, genuinely badass woman who looked great as well. Um, just being a fucking badass. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it gets enough credit for that. No. Um, and I, it absolutely launched Angelina Jolie onto another fucking level. Um, and put all eyes on her. So. Yeah. I'm happy my eyes are on her. We know. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Best Bad Movies. Um, we'll have some more episodes coming out soon. And um, yeah, have a great time. Watch some great movies. And... Gluck. <laughs> Gluck. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.